Kia ora church, welcome, it's good to see you here, we're about to get into some praise and worship, so if, uh, if you'd like to stand, I'd just like to challenge you guys that like, you know, we're coming here and I hope that you're, you're wanting to be here, hopefully, and I hope that you also just want to like give God some praise, you know, he's a pretty good God, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we go through and there's a lot of stuff that he helps us through and... So why don't we just give it our best, day? Eh? We're going to sing Bless the Lord. and Yeah, I hope that you guys will really sing it like you mean it and, you know, give God some glory, eh?
Wow. Isn't that a great song? I like that verse, daily I choose to fix my eyes on you. Isn't that cool? Such a good statement. Why don't you turn around to your neighbour, say hi, let's take a few moments to say hi to one another, or grab a seat. Great to see you this evening. A special welcome to you all. If this is your first or second time at Activate, a very warm welcome to you. And as you leave the auditorium this evening, at the back you'll see a white guest pack. You're most welcome to help yourself to one of those. There you'll find info about the church. And if you'd like us to be in contact with you, take a few moments to fill in the details and we'll be in contact. So that's fantastic. So church, can we put our hands together to welcome our guests this evening? That'd be great. Thank you. Pastor Sheridan is in Melbourne, ministering at Pastor Wayne and Ruth Swift's church. They were with us a few weeks ago, so he's having a wonderful time there this evening. So that will be great. Well, it is great too, isn't it? So who's had a birthday wedding anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays? You've had a... Wow. Who wants to join me down the front? Birthdays, wedding anniversaries. Rebecca. Wow. 21? Congratulations. Wow. Fantastic. Are you the only one? You, are you Well, this is very special, isn't it? Wow. Why don't you take 21? <laughs> hey, why don't we stand to our feet, church, and declare this blessing over Rebecca. So, yeah, very good. So here we go. Father, thank you for Rebecca. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, protection over her this year. Activate your love and goodness through her. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for Rebecca. Fantastic. Okay, a few highlights to bring to your attention. Tomorrow, the 6th of November, keep calm, it's Christmas. Lots of people signed up, Jan. Lots of ladies. It's 90 ladies so far. And it's not too late to sign up for Keep Calm, It's Christmas. So if you haven't signed up for Keep Calm, It's Christmas, go to the hub after the gathering. Sign up for tomorrow evening. You're going to have a fantastic time. Lots of fun. It's for the ladies. So sorry, guys. Your time's coming, though, next Saturday, the 11th. We have men's breakfast. Really encourage you to come along. If you haven't been to a men's breakfast before, this is your opportunity. Pastor Sheridan will be speaking this Saturday. So come along and be part of that. It'll be a wonderful time together this Saturday, the 11th of November. On Saturday, the 25th of November, we have Volunteers Day. So if you've helped in any way in the life of the church, been on host teams, served in whatever capacity, this is a day for you. Saturday at Common by the lake, 2 to 4 p.m., time to come together, celebrate and give thanks to God for the year. And on the Sunday that follows, the Sunday the 26th, is our Thanksgiving gathering. This is one of my favorite gatherings throughout the year. I'm so looking forward to this. I've invited many people along and encourage you to do the same. Where we gather together to give thanks to God for 2017, for all that He's done, for what He's doing, and what He's about to do in 2018. So I really encourage you to come along to that. It's the 26th of November, so fantastic. 
Well, that's cool. Well, let's give it up for Dominique. She's going to come and share an inspiring testimony. So, thank you, Dominique. Good evening. So nice to see so many of you up here. Well, um, I've just got something really nice to share with all of you. And um, it sort of follows on what Jan's been sharing last Sunday. I don't know if you, if you were at the gatherings last Sunday about Jan's ponderings after her big birthday. Um, so Jan has really inspired me to ponder some more. And especially around um, wherever, whenever be like Jesus. Now we know that's Sheridan's favorite saying, but it's also our favorite doing. But um, not to only do it on Sundays, but you know, to, to really push ourselves and, and do it every day. And, um, but this did happen to me on a Sunday, not that it matters. Um, and I, I really, I was sitting in the gathering and I was hearing God's voice. And those of you that know me, I like to talk. <laughs> I have one mouth and two ears, so I should actually be listening more and talking a little bit less. But um, I really heard God speaking to me because I've, I've just said, you know, I want to be like you, Jesus. Just show me the way. And after the gathering, I had to go get some groceries, feed those hungry children at home. And um, I only had to get a few things, and I was like, I'm not going to go to pack and save. Although they've got the good deals and the bulk buys. But... Um, I decided now I'm not going to go there. And um, I decided I'll just go back to Rotatuna, go to one of the smaller supermarkets. And in our house, we have this bit of a feud because Cameron works at Countdown. So if I go to New World, I'm in trouble. But I, I like to go to New World because the parking is just a little bit easier. And anyway, got in the car on the way to Rotatuna. And the next moment, I find myself on the Countdown parking lot. I mean, woman, misdirection. Or was it God leading me? So uh, here I am in the countdown parking, get my shopping, and when I come out, I saw this lady there busy packing her groceries. And she had like four of these, you know, these recyclable bags and a backpack. And I was like, is she going to carry those groceries? And yes, I listened, and God spoke, and I was obedient. And I went to her and I said, excuse me, I'm Dominique. Are you carrying those groceries home? And she says, yes, she does. She does it every Sunday. I said, well, I'd like to take you home this Sunday. And she says, no, you don't have to do that. I said, no, but I'd really like to. And I didn't have to ask again. She just said, thank you so much. I'd really appreciate it. She had done the big buy. So um, we loaded all our groceries in the back of my car. And um, we just started chatting all the way home. It was, it was so easy. It was so comfortable. There was no awkwardness. And I was so glad that I listened because it was a blessing both ways. And as we talked, we, we found out we both have kids about the same age, you know, in the same stages of their lives. And we just talked like we were just old friends. And here I am not knowing this lady from a bar of soap. And we got to her house and I said, oh, what a lovely house you stay in. And she says, oh, she's only been there for about two years. And it's a woman's refuge house. Um, she was in a very bad, abusive relationship, has been out of it for about two years. And she said, you know, you know, you picking me up today and bringing me home is the nicest thing anybody has done for me in two years. I almost burst out crying. <laughs> and I was like, 
well, you blessed me today as well. And I invited her to church because she does pray. And I, I encouraged her to never stop praying. And we exchanged phone numbers. And I said to her, if she ever needs a lift again, I'm there for her. And we'll keep praying for her and her family. And um, I just want to encourage you all to listen. Because even those small things make a big difference. Thank you. Thanks, Dominic. That's, isn't that inspiring? Just amazing, isn't it, when you take an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying, how God opens up the door to be a great blessing. And I think as a church over the last little while, the incredible blessing that we've been to our community is we've had Muckin Day a few weeks ago. And on the Tuesday, it's just been, we've had the Light Party. He was part of the Light Party. It wasn't an incredible event. Over 500 children from our church and particularly from our community came together and to celebrate. And it was fantastic. This place was absolutely filled with bouncy castles and um, candy floss machines and all sorts of things, lollies, all sorts of stuff. And it's so good as a church that we can bless our community and make a difference for them. But of course, we're a church family and there's some people in our family that go through struggles as well. And over the last year, in fact, about this time last year ago, we received a Church in Action CIA offering where we received about $4,000, which is fantastic. And over that period, as needs have come to the notice of Pastor Jan and the pastoral team, they've been able to offer support to people in a practical way, whether they needed support with paying their power bill or getting children to camps or maybe a, a new pair of glasses. As a church family, we've been able to support one another. And it's such a good thing to do. And so this evening, we have the opportunity to receive our second CIA offering. We do it two times at this time of the year. And throughout the coming year, we'll be able to meet those needs for people in our church family. So can I encourage you, let's be generous as we give to be a blessing for our church family. So let us pray as we receive this offering. Father, thank you for Church in Action. Father, thank you that as a body we can minister to the wider community in the Waikato, but also we have this opportunity to be a blessing to people within our own church family. And Lord, as we give these gifts, I pray you'd bless them and multiply them, that Father, they would bring life and joy and happiness and blessing to those that receive them. Father, we thank you for every giver and we declare your blessing and life and prosperity upon them and their families in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, host team, as you receive that offering's great. And I'm going to invite Cohen. He's going to come and share communion. So let's give it up to Cohen as he comes this evening. Good on you, Cohen. Good evening, church. Communion is the act of, rem of remembering that God restored our relationship with Him, thanks, and remembering God's love for us. Because humans turn their back on God, we created a barrier with Him between us and God, making us it unable for us to have a relationship with Him. Jesus then died on the cross and rose for our sins, destroying this barrier that we had created and rest restoring our relationship with him. And Luca talks about the bread being a representation of the body that he gave and the juice a representation of the body that he spilt on the cross. While on my way to Hastings this week for work, I was thinking about what to say for the communion today. 
It started to spark questions about my own faith journey, and I thought I would share it with you all. The questions were, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And what would you do in response, um, sorry, and what would what do you do in response to knowing and loving Jesus? The first question that came, do you know Jesus, was a hard one to answer. This challenges us to think about how we interact with Jesus. If we were to know a friend or family member, what would that look like? Just keeping a relationship alive with that family member or friend, you have to keep working on the relationship with that person. So today we acknowledge that Jesus died for us and it means that we are able to now enter into a relationship with him. In the Psalms it says that God knitted us together in our mother's womb, implying that he already knew us from the very first moment. Today we have an opportunity to acknowledge him together in communion. The next question, do you love Jesus? Or what does that look like? The fact that we are all unique means that our love for Jesus will look different for each one of us. It might be through music, reading the Bible, having quiet times with him, enjoying the outdoors or some other kind of love. Actually, as you, as you show your love to God, you also continue to know him better. What you do in response to your knowledge, oh, what do you do in response to your knowledge and love of Jesus? God didn't have to send his son to earth to die for our sins out of obligation, but he did this out of love. What are we doing out of obligation rather than out of love? Are you loving him out of response to his love or because you feel like you have to? He loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us, breaking the barrier between us and God. After pondering these questions, I came to a place where I understood that the only way we can even ask these questions is because of what Jesus did on the cross all those years ago. In John, oh, 1 John 4 verse 19, it says, We love him because he loved us first. Thank you, Lord, for your love and being able to know, know you the way we can. We thank you for the opportunity to come to a relationship with you. Amen. Please feel free to come up to the front and take the elements back to your seat, taking it in your own time. Maybe, you, maybe as you sit there with the bread and the juice, Ponder these questions or simply give thanks to Je- that Jesus knows us, loves us, and has allowed us to come into a relationship with him. Thanks, team.
church and then sings my soul and sings my soul how great your love is how great your love is
that for you church where there's no way there's a way because of God claim that for yourself his promise will come true can we just sing the chorus one more time just, just really want to sing it with you guys your promise still stands great is your Father, we thank you. You're a God who is faithful. He's never failed us, never can and never shall. You're the true rock of ages, the ancients of days. Father, thank you that we're planted on the rock Christ Jesus, anchored and secured in your love and in your grace favor. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it beautiful to be in God's presence? We're always in His presence, but in the sense that we can worship together and declare the praises and the goodness of God. Something special about it, isn't it? Pastor Jan said this morning, you can do it in your bedroom, which is cool, but there's nothing quite like being together and praising God together. Thank you, team. Awesome. Praise God. Let's give it up. They do a great job. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's our pleasure to have Chris Hubbard, the CEO of ATC, with us this evening. So let's give it up as Chris comes. Thank you, Chris. God bless.
the glasses sorted out. Yep, good. I'll take the little pen. You'll have to take it on. Brilliant. Okay. We'll sort it out. Okay. What that interrupted is not actually counterculture, but the short advertisement which interrupt this from our sponsor. <clears throat> There's a um, couple of courses I just want to. Oh, no signal. Technology problems all over the room. Okay. Um, the two couple of um, brochures I've got at the front here. Got heaps of them because I know that everyone will rush up after the service to grab them. Um, there's one here about the Christian uh, Ministries, Christian Studies programs, and it also includes the, the New Zealand Diploma of Business. Well, yeah. um, there's a whole lot of things I could talk about, but I think those are the most uh, uh, relevant to right here. Uh, and there's two ways you can do each of those programs. Diploma <clears throat> of Christian Studies, uh, you can do it by an internship full-time, uh, studying on block courses and so forth, and uh, doing your online study, but working in the church and serving the church for a year, making a difference. Uh, ministry focus, or you can do a flexi study if you want to just say, I just want to get deeper into God and learn those uh, theological aspects and processes and so forth, but not do the internship aspect. So you can do that over three years usually, uh, just part-time, the occasional block course, doing a little bit of study, uh, and it uh, is theology focused rather than... Oh. Thanks. Theology focused rather than... Um, Whoa. Whoa. We have the power, not just the Holy Spirit. Okay, right. So that's a good way to just to get your theology um, solid and, and sort of grow in God in that way. So that's all in the Learn, Grow, Serve uh, brochure. Plus the Gentleman Diploma in Business, you can do two ways. One by an internship full-time in a church. Uh, we've got that one in place because you may not have a ministry focus, but you may want to serve the church for a year and come out with a qualification that you can use throughout your career. Okay, so it's a really good uh, way to do it, all Christian um, tutors. You can also do it in work part-time. Now, I think this is a really good opportunity. If you always thought you'd like to have a business diploma uh, and you didn't really want to go full-time because that means giving up your job, uh, but you don't want to do it all online because that's really hard uh, to sort of keep up your motivation, you can do it this way and you do block courses or one whole day uh, four times a year, and then you do a, a, a particular course, and then you start another one day and start another course, and wait, make your way through it. A lot easier, good sort of a mixture of the two uh, to learn that way. Okay, so it's all in that little yellow brochure there. And this lastly, this little brochure here is a come out of Sheridan and I talking together and being inspired about starting Activate College. All right? So that means full-time internship, but classes two days a week, every week, at here, at church, all right? So it's not just the block courses. This is actually changing you to become a leader for the future generations. So if you want to have a, know more about that, have a look at that. I think that's an exciting move. And uh, we'll go on from there. Right? It's the end of the sponsorship message. Culture, counterculture. Culture, according to the Oxford Dictionary, says the customs, ideas, and social behavior of a particular people or group. Now, we could classify that in all sorts of ways, couldn't we? We could talk about New Zealand versus Australia, the different culture. We could talk about uh, the Western world against the other third world, for example, culture. We could talk about uh, 
the culture that Donald Trump is making, you know, as opposed to North Korea's uh, or something else. Or we can talk about the churches or the denominations. So we can break it down in all sorts of ways. And in some ways, all of us have a culture difference. My family does different things than your family and so forth. But I really want to focus in on the really neat culture of the kingdom of God, obviously, compared to the culture of the world. Now, Jesus, I'm calling him the restoration man. Because this is not a cultural difference. He didn't come like it was in the 60s to just to be different. Have you ever met people that just want to be different? You eventually agree with them, so they change because they just want to be different. You know what I mean? He didn't come to do that. He didn't come actually to be different. He just was different. You know what I mean? <clears throat> God was in Christ reconciling or restoring. If you look at that word reconciling in the Greek, it actually means an exchange. He came to take away from you and give you something new. New for old. Pretty cool, really. I'll take away your sin and I'll give you righteousness. I'll take away your, your, your sickness and I'll give you healing. Take away your fear and I'll give you peace. It's really cool. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And that, that's cool. The restoration I'm talking about, of course, is the fact that we lost where we were. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they had dominion over the earth. They didn't have any sickness and disease. They didn't have any lack. They had all the supply they needed. They had peace. They had walked with God and so forth. They didn't have any problems at all. And yet they threw it all away, not realizing they were throwing it all away. But Jesus came to bring it back to us and restore what we have lost. Right? And even more so. But I just want to run you through some of the story here. And I thought I'd do you a little bit of an interactive PowerPoint. In the beginning, there was mankind represented by the little figure up there. In the beginning, of course, it was Adam and Eve. Uh, today, of course, it's us. And in the garden, there were many trees, and two of them were named. One was the tree of life, and one was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve walked with God, and they were not conscious of sin or fear or sickness or disease or any of those sort of things. The kingdom of God was in their lives. But, of course, as we know... Uh, Adam ate from the tree, and uh, Eve was also deceived, and they fell from that place, and things changed, right? So they were taken away from the tree of life and out of the kingdom of God, and now they are dominated by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Removed from the tree of life, removed from that way, that oneness with God, and now they're in the kingdom of this world, which we know is directed by the enemy, and separated from the life of God, and now controlled by sin and death. All right, we all know that story. <clears throat> God had to make a way to stop Adam and Eve and mankind getting back to the tree of life and to live forever in their sinful state. And he also wanted to lead them towards the salvation that he was bringing. So he put up a wall across this world called the law. And the law was a barrier for those who wanted to pass from one kingdom to the other kingdom that they couldn't get there with sin. Of course, when we start on our journey, we're not conscious of any of that. All we know is when we start off in life is that we've got an emptiness inside, something we want to fulfill, something that's not quite right. And why isn't life better than it is? We can't see the law. We're too far away from it. We can't know what God wants because we don't have any connection with that yet. But we're wanting to travel in some direction that fills up the hole within us. And then we get around the globe and we get the sort of uh, 
this point where we can start to see what God is requiring of us. And we have this point where we suddenly decide, well, I've got a decision to make now. It's either me or it's hope. It's either me wanting to live my life the way I want to do it and say, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. Because I don't want to be responsible to another entity. Or I see the light come into my life and I say, yes, I want to know more. There's a hope that I want to take hold of. There is a chance that there's more to life than just what I've got. Right? There's a point where we start to realize that and either get closer to the light or move further away. All of us, of course, moved closer to the light. And we go into this little uh, quadrant here, which I call religious, where we try and be better people, where we're trying to appease to God, we're trying to do all the right things. We think that that's going to attain us somehow to getting back to the kingdom of God. We do all our efforts, but somehow it's not enough. Somehow we can't undo all the sin and the nature in us that drives us to do things that isn't quite in the line with what we think is right. That law is a barrier that really stops us getting across. And it's dominated by works, and those works are driven by fear usually. I put that little symbol of uh, law because it's very interesting. Mankind is dominated by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it's interesting, when we want to be free, mankind says, oh, let's make everyone free. Uh, let's make them all equal, for example. Okay, we'll pass a law. And we'll put a penalty around that law if you don't do exactly what we say. So we did have this opportunity, now we've got this opportunity, but we've just made you free. The only way man knows how to make you free is to bypass a law. It's a, sort of a weird way that we're corrupted and perverted in how we work, but that's the tree that dominates our lives. And in that particular religious part, we're always weighing up between good and bad. Oh, I'm a good person. How many of us have heard those statements? I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person. You know, I don't do bad things. And somehow we weigh it up in ourselves before we're Christians and say, but I'm not bad, I'm good, and I've, I've, I've weighed it up in my mind, and, and I'm okay, and if God comes down and sees me, then I'll get there. But that doesn't count. You're, like, you're telling me that if you go down to the, to, to the main street and rob the bank and give all the money to the poor, that you're not going to go to jail? That somehow the good works is going to outweigh the fact you broke the law? It doesn't work that way. You can't do good works to undo where you've broken the law. You've broken the law, you're a lawbreaker. That's it. You might get your sentence changed a little bit, but you're still going to get convicted and go to, go to jail. You mean to say to me that if you travel at 80 kilometers an hour on the open road for 20 years, and then one day you do 120 kilometers an hour and get caught, that you didn't break the law, that you're not going to get a ticket? But I've gone so slow for 20 years doesn't count. God's justice and, and the law system does not work on us doing good to outweigh our bad. That's not how it works. You can't cross the barrier there. And all of us have sinned to some degree. We've all lusted or coveted or lied or cheated or something in our lives. You know, we're, none of us are worthy to go across that barrier. And yet we're stuck. And I liken it, if you like, to the law of uh, light or if we wanted to go to the speed of light, for example, it says in the Bible that God lives in unapproachable light. And I know that if I wanted to travel to the speed of light where time doesn't exist and so forth, then it would take a lot of energy to get there. If I jump in a car and do 100 kilometers an hour, that's okay, but it's just not fast enough. Faster car, 200 kilometers an hour, <clears throat> not fast enough. Jump in a plane, 300, 400, 500 miles an hour. Jet, six, seven. I want to break the sound barrier, so I have to get into 
into a faster jet, Mach 1, Mach 2, it's about as fast as I can go really. But then I've got to go faster than that because it's not enough. So I've got to get in the fastest thing that man has ever made, which is a rocket. Something like the Saturn V that took the Apollo missions to the moon. That blasts off and it circles the Earth and it had to reach a speed of 40,000 uh, kilometers per second, 25,000 miles, sorry, not per second, but per hour. 25,000 miles per hour, 40,000 kilometers per hour to escape the gravitational pull of the Earth. That's really fast. If that whizzed past you and you were firing a gun at it, it's it just about three times faster than the bullet travels, you know. Not a chance. And that is only a fraction, 40,000 kilometers per hour, that is only a fraction of the 300,000 kilometers per second that the speed of light travels at. And so I'm going to need a bigger rocket, I'm going to need a new power system, I'm going to need some way to go faster and faster and faster to get towards the speed of light. But the trouble is the theory of relativity says that as I approach the, the speed of light, the more energy I require, it becomes an infinite amount. It becomes impossible. There is no way by my efforts and my, my pushing that I can get to the speed of light in any way possible. The theory, of, the physics makes it impossible. But there is a way to reach the speed of light. If I use an external power, if I use an external attractive force that I am not creating, because with my effort, I'd need all the energy in the whole universe to do it. But externally, I can do it. What I need is a body that is so big and powerful with its gravitational pull that it will speed me up to the speed of light before I hit it. It'll have to be so big that its, it's gravitational uh, field will even not even let light escape, which is a black hole. So if I use the black hole and fall down there, the moment I reach the event horizon, I will reach the speed of light, where I turn into full energy and it'll turn time stops. Does God exist there? Not sure. But it's an interesting analogy, isn't it? The unapproachable light. And this is very much like the boundary here of the law. It doesn't matter how much I try, I cannot break and get over that boundary. But I can with an external power. And of course, we all know who that is. We all know that it's through Jesus who makes the way across the wall by grace and faith. See, we try and do it in works, and then we suddenly, suddenly find out that it's actually by faith. All our efforts weren't worth it, but just by trusting what he did that we, come, we change over. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I have returned again my culture that I lost in Adam and Eve, and I have this culture of the world where I am judged and, and judging myself, you know. In the knowledge of, good and, of the tree of good and evil, I am either uh, better than you, greater than you, better looking, smarter, got a better car, better house, or I'm absolutely useless and no good and what's worth living for because I'm not as smart and I'm not as good looking. So it's going to do one or the other. It always judges and compares. It's always weighing up. Where do I sit? Do I fit in? Do I not fit in? Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? It's always putting us down or putting us up to a point where we're going to be chopped down. But the tree of life is quite different, isn't it? We change into God's kingdom. But, you know, when we're just saved, we're very conscious that we're still next to that boundary fence we're still quite close. We're still very conscious of the right and the wrong. You know, that tree is still alive in our lives. But as we move on, 
we get closer towards the tree of life. But we come into all sorts of dangers along this way. I call this the danger of lawlessness, where we come into the knowledge of God, we're born again, we get up to that point and we think, man, this is a great place, I'm comfortable, I'm a long way away from the law, I've been in Christ for a while now, you know, everything's cool, you know, I go to church, I'm a good person, I don't do bad things, I can just camp here for a while, I can just stay here, I don't have to do more than this, grace, you know, after all, grace is abounds, you know, I can live a bit in the world, I can live a bit in the church, you know, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just going to camp here. That sounds to me very much like this tree. I'm not a bad person. So that tree starts to come back and starts to take us over. It's not the tree we bought into in the tree of life. We don't want to go backwards there. I don't want to get to heaven and God says, well, actually, you turned out to be a goat, not a sheep. Because that's what he said to the goats. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It doesn't mean we don't miss it. Man, we all miss it. But it says, though, who practice lawlessness. That means I'm not under the law of the spirit of life, and I'm not under the law of the sin and death. I've denied both. I'm not being led by the spirit, and I'm not doing the flesh. I'm just living for me. And Christ didn't come for us to live for me. So this is a danger point that we've got to say. You don't want to camp anywhere here. Yeah, we slip up and we make mistakes, but let's keep going on the journey. Jesus, of course, is the tree of life, isn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. Jesus came as the tree of life and got nailed to the tree of knowledge of sin and of good and evil. He got nailed to the cross. And I think it's really important that we don't just see the cross as the point we have to reach. We don't stop there and camp there. And we don't see water baptism as the point we stop and camp there. And we don't see Pentecost as the point we stop and camp there. And there's denominations on every one of those points. But we don't see those as the end points. We don't see healing as the end point. We don't see the gifts of the ministry at the end point. We just see the tree of life as the end point. We see Jesus as the end point. We see the new culture as the end point. We see the renewing of my mind as the, as the, as the way forward to get rid of this tree in my thinking. He did me wrong. Well, it sounds like the wrong tree. I have the right to do this. Sounds like the wrong tree. My rights are in heaven, not on this earth. Turn the other cheek, Jesus said. So how much are we living in this tree and how much are we living in that tree? This is my challenge today. Which culture are we living in? Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The point of the tree of life is that we get consumed into Jesus. The moment we try and build our life again, saying, oh, I'm going to go back to what I enjoyed, we're sort of going the wrong way. Into Jesus, he gave us all for us, we give our all for him. And when we get to this point, we can't see the law anymore. We become unconscious of sin and death. We become unconscious of the law. We become only conscious of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the point, isn't it? And there's a point where, in a sense, everything else is not important. Just that. Just that. Just the tree of life and us. To work and uh, love others as we have, as Christ has loved us. So, which culture? The two cultures have a different way of working. 
the culture of this world, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, works on sight, works on feelings, which on the five senses. You know, what I see is what I believe. The culture of the tree of life works on faith. What God's word is what I believe. What God said is what I believe. Now take an example here. Uh, the Israelites, for example, and, and it talks about in Hebrews 3.19, God calls what they did evil. What did they do that was evil when they left Egypt and went into the promised land? They didn't believe. Interesting, just they didn't believe. God asked them to go into the promised land and they got scared. And he called it evil and they all died. But two people didn't. Joshua and Caleb came back as two of the 12 spies and they said, we can take that land. Not because I am anything, not because Joshua is anything, just because God is with us. And God has done so many great miracles now, we can take that land. The other 10 said, hey, look, it flows with milk and honey, but there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers. They looked at themselves, they looked at their own ability, they looked at where they were in the other tree and said, I can't do that. Physically, I look at myself and I'm not big enough to do that. But the others said, no, God is able. God is the one we trust in. And they went in and took the land. Caleb, at mid-80s, I think it was, when he went in and he said, oh, give me the hill country. I'll go and take that with my family. And he went out there with a sword and slayed all the giants and killed them. 85 or something like that. That's pretty good. Not because of his ability, because God was with him. God was with him. The lepers... In Luke 17, there were 10 lepers that came to Jesus and they called out in the distance and said, Jesus, can you, make us, can you cleanse us? Can you make us healed? And Jesus turned around and said to them, go show yourself to the priests. Now, right at that moment, they had a choice, didn't they? Well, Flip, it doesn't look like he did any good. That was a waste of time, wasn't it, guys? Or they can say, hey, I can still see my leprosy. Nothing's changed whatsoever. Do I do what he says? Because if I go and show myself to the priests under the law, you only did that when you were cleansed. Because that was serious trouble if they went to the, to the priests as lepers and still had their leprosy. Into the midst of the people. Because that wasn't allowed. They were risking their lives by doing that. So they had a choice of either to believe what Jesus said or believe what they saw. Now when Jesus said those words, they weren't healed. Nothing happened. As they went, it says, they were healed. And sometime down the road, I don't know how far, somewhere down the road, they suddenly realized, hey, it's all gone. And two of them rushed back and praised Jesus for it. As they went. You see, the kingdom of life or the kingdom of God and the tree of life works on faith. It doesn't work on what we see and feel. If we're waiting for the power of God to move and we're waiting to see it before we believe it, we'll never see it. It's not working that way. If you're waiting to see that you're saved before you're saved, you're not going to get saved. You know? If you're waiting to see that you got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then I believe I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not going to get filled. It's not how it works. There's a faith move here. See, we're called to reign on earth. God came in Jesus to restore us to the dominion that we had before and more so. It says here, for if by the one man, that's Adam's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Are we reigning in life? Or is life reigning over us? Are we subject to the 
opportunities and, and things that sort of come our way to batter us around and beat us down and destroy us? Or are we reigning over those circumstances and saying, no, the Word of God is greater than this. I'm changing the circumstances. That's the opportunity we have. That's what Jesus came to do. See, Jesus came as the Son of Man. He did not come as, a, as the power of God on the earth. He came as a man without sin to show us what a man without sin can do. And he says, I'm going back to heaven, but you can do greater works than these because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I've given you my name, which is above every, above every name, and I've given you my word. So all those three together, you've got more than enough. And these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know, They'll drink deadly poison. It won't hurt them. A whole lot of things that we can do in Christ that we're not walking in yet. I love that much more. Isn't that amazing? If you think that you would have been better off back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve was living with God, actually know we're better off here. Much more. Adam and Eve never ate the tree of life. They never experienced the tree of life. They were chucked out of the garden before they had a chance. We have. We've been raised up higher than that. And if you think you're better off, better probably back with Jesus when the disciples were walking with him, no, we're better off now. Because he said, it's better if I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to live in you. So we're better off. We're the blessed generation with all that we need. So we should be going out there in the power and ability of God and showing the world. In Christ is where the answer is, isn't it? So we are all things in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Established in Christ, walking in him. As he is, it says, so am I in this world. How is he now? Is he seated in heavenly places? Yes, so am I, according to Ephesians 2. In him, now. Is he healed? Has he got power? Has he got ability? Has he got abundance? Yes. Can he do all things? Yes. Has he got authority over all things? Yes. Well, I'm his ambassador, it says, to go out and show the world who Jesus is. So are we, all of us. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. That's what we've got to be aware of, isn't it? Hey, we can go and do all those things in Jesus, but hey, if we get a philosophy and a theology taught to us that, hey, we don't have power today, Settle down, it's not for today. That was back then. That was just to show Jesus was real, that he was actually from God. Beware of those theologies. And then it comes straight back in at the end here. For in Jesus, in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's great, isn't it? The Father and the Spirit dwell within Jesus. But then the neat piece in the next bit, you are complete in him. In Jesus we are in total, total uh, connection with the Father and the Spirit. I don't think we have an inkling of who we are as children of God, of who God has made us. Which birth counts, the physical one or the spiritual one? Which one are you living in? Child of God or child of the world? Put on the new, put on the new man, as his divine power has given to us all things. Isn't that interesting? Past tense, has given to us. Not going to, not if you pray, not if you fast for two weeks, not if you, you know, give up uh, everything in your life for, you know, five years or something else. It has already given to us, already ours. 
It came with salvation. It came as a package deal. But we just said, oh, no, just take that bit out of it. Thanks, that's fine. But there was healing and prosperity and abundance and provision and everything else in there, peace. But we just take pieces out of it, not realizing that the promises of God, the exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that amazing? That external force that's pulling us in and we take hold of those promises and become part of him. I'll give you another translation. I just downloaded the... um, the Passion New Testament this morning. I didn't know they'd finished it. This is that same scripture. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Isn't that good? For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. That's what we're called to. That's what we've been given. That's what we've been given. The tree of life has so much. Rivers of living water should be flowing out from us and to the people around us. Which culture, which tree... Which mirror? The physical mirror or the mirror of the Word of God? Which one do we look in? Which one do we see ourselves as? We need to train ourselves to look into the mirror of the Word. We need to train ourselves to see, see ourselves in the tree of life. I don't get up in the morning and say, do I feel saved? I'm sure you don't either. You just know it by the Word of God. Well, why don't we know everything else about who we are by the Word of God as well, regardless of how we feel? I don't, I don't have to worry about getting up in the morning and think, oh, I don't feel like I'm safe today. I don't feel like I've got any power today. Oh, I don't feel like I can do anything today. No, the Word of God says I can do it. The Word of God says all things are possible to them who believe. You know, I I mentioned a while back, I had an old work colleague who emailed me. I hadn't seen her for for years. And she emailed me and said, Oh, Chris, I I, uh, just thought I'd email you because I had a dream the other night and uh, it was about you were in it. And um, I've been just going through some serious stuff at the moment. I've got breast cancer and... I've had two operations in the last six weeks and I'm just about to go in in a couple of days for a third one because it's aggressive form and they don't think they can catch it all. And he said, I had, she had a dream and he said, I, you, you hugged me in your dream and I just felt like everything was going to be okay. So I wrote back to her. I, didn't, I hadn't had a dream. I didn't sense anything about it. I wrote back to her and I said, yeah, I don't doubt it and I know that Jesus is good and is all that you need and that God is enough for your situation. I said, you shall live and you shall, this thing will be gone and you will see your grandchildren. And I sent it off. Now did my head think, man, what are you saying there? You're putting yourself on the line there. Sure it did. <laughs> but you do it before your right hand knows what your left hand's doing. You, know? you stretch out in your faith. I've been feeding on promises, and I said, yeah, that's ours in the name of Jesus. Did I worry and stress a little bit? Yeah, but, man, you get your faith going. Don't worry about what it has in your head. Get your heart going. Within a month, she was through the operation and come out the other end, and she's been cleared totally of that. You know? Totally, no issues anymore. And it was neat, you know, because it opened up a door for, for more. I'm hoping that more and more happens in her family. She does believe, but she's on that journey. You know? But those things are all possible, all possible, if we just trust in the Word of God as the mirror of who we are and not in the natural mirror. If we suddenly rise up and see, who am I, am I as a child of God? Who does God say I really am? Because we've been in this other nature for too long. 
this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Am I good enough? Have I got enough faith? Have I prayed enough? Have I been to church enough? Oh, I can't do those great miracles because I haven't done this, I haven't done that. That's wrong tree. You don't get any of that by your works. But how much does that try and creep back in? Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe, not those who do works, not those who pray and fast enough. These signs will follow those who believe. I just want to challenge you that this morning. What culture are we living in? Which tree, which culture? Simple as that. I just wondered, uh, just to reflect it back on each one of us and where we're going, I wonder if you just uh, close your eyes and think about where each of us is. When we think about the two trees, and the first thing I want to, want to just ask, if, if we're talking about when our eyes are closed and thinking about where we are personally, is if you haven't come to that first moment of realizing that Jesus is salvation and he, and he has done all things for me, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he can wipe away my sin, that he can bring me into a new life, then I encourage you to take that tonight. I encourage you to receive him into your heart tonight. I encourage you to change that that gear, in a sense, to get out of your own works and trust in what Jesus has done, to take on by faith his salvation, his salvation in the name of Jesus. But what I really want to come to any more that <clears throat> is each one of us has to make a decision each day, in a sense, taking up our cross. But I want to challenge you tonight, if we want to walk in the tree of life, to start that this evening. Which tree, which culture, which way are we going? Are we going to live by the mirror of the Word of God? Are we going to live by the mirror of the physical world? Are we going to stand up as child of God and saying all things are possible, that these signs follow me because Jesus is in me, because the Holy Spirit's in me? I'm anointed because Jesus says I am. I have the Holy Spirit on me because he's (coughs) given it to me by a free gift? Am I walking in the power of God? And I just thought it would be a good thing just to stand up and say, yeah, if I'm in the tree of life, I'm going to stand in the tree of life tonight. And I just challenge you, if that's connecting with you, then stand up and say, yes, I take that, and this day forward, I'm going to try and live by the tree of life. I'm going to try and live by what your word says. I am who you said I am, and not what the world says I am. I am victorious. I am reigning in life in the name of Jesus. I am victorious in every way. So if that's you, and you want to stand up and say, yeah, I'm just going to make a stand just between me and God tonight. Just stand up where you are and just say, yeah, I'm in the tree of life today. I'm making that choice, that I'm making a choice out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and into the tree of life. A simple decision, a simple way to go forward. And if you've made that call, I want to pray a prayer out of Ephesians 1, but I want to do it out of the Passion Version over everyone here who has stood up. I pray for everyone here that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate everyone in this room with the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. And I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Isn't that amazing? His immense power that we can be an advertisement for him to this world. 
that we can go forth and show him what Christ has done in our lives and attract people to him for his glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, I'll hand over to the musicians or Ray or... Great. Thank you, Chris. Isn't that great? Which culture, which tree, which mirror? Mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Chris. We're going to sing very shortly. If you have near a need of prayer, feel free to come forward. Uh, if you're struggling in terms of which culture, the culture of the world or the culture of the kingdom, I know Chris and others would love to stand with you in prayer this evening. Let's be purposed in our giving as we leave by the um, auditorium doors out there on the left-hand side is the giving stations. So thank you for your generosity. I encourage us to be purposed and diligent as we give in the purposes of God. And if you're a guest with us this evening as you leave, encourage you to help yourself to a white guest bag, and uh, we'd love to connect with you afterwards. So why don't you lead us in a song as we go, uh, and that would be cool. Thank you. I know. 